Um, right, this morning is a special morning. Um, uh, we have uh, Maria Ortas going to preach this morning. And uh, for, I want to call her on up. Uh, come on up, Maria. Oh, come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Lackluster applause had to do with them, not you, okay? Uh, I'm glad you guys, yeah, made it right, you know, made it right. Um, but anyway, she's going to be continuing our series in Romans chapter 12. Uh, I just want to pray for her real quick and then dive in with our time of teaching. Uh, pray for you. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, this woman who you created, who you've known all her life, who you've walked with, who you've walked alongside, who you've walked in front of, who you've prepared things for. And I pray, God, this morning that she'd really feel like she's walking into something that you've prepared for her that she's prepared for us. And so, Lord, I just pray for um, a moment. I know Scott preached last week on spiritual gifts, and I pray for um, a moment where you just experience your, you, your gifts manifested through this person who you fearfully and wonderfully made. So, God, I pray, um, pray we could receive what Maria has this morning, um, what your word has for us this morning, and that we be people who are changed in the way that we relate to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are really nice. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So like Andy said, my name's Maria, and I've been part of the Restored Uptown community since April of last year, so just over a year and a half now. And my connection to Restored, for those of you who are new here, is a friend of a friend actually convinced Andy, who was up here, to come out to India, um, where I was living at the time with a few members from Restored. And at that time, when they visited, April of 2020, I had been living in India for just over three years, working with a nonprofit throughout India's rural villages that focused on helping local leaders get the resources that they needed um, to take the gospel to their villages and nearby villages, most of which had never had a gospel presence at all before. Think Indian uncles with motorbikes and Bibles. That's exactly who I worked with. But because of COVID and visa issues, I ended up taking that last repatriation flight out of India and landed in San Diego. So you might be wondering, why San Diego? And Andy did offer. If you're ever in town, we would love to host you for a while. I don't think by a while he meant a year and a half, but I take invitations very seriously. Now, some of you might be wondering, even if you had this offer to come and stay in San Diego, why haven't you at some point like gone to live with your family? Like it's pretty common for people in their early 20s in between places that they are living to live with family for a while. But for me, that was never an option because family is actually really complicated for me. I actually had all intentions of going back to India shortly after arriving last year, but that obviously hasn't happened yet. So I've been staying with my restored uptown family this whole time. And here's what I mean by family is complicated for me. When I was 15, my biological mom could no longer take care of me. It's a long story, but essentially I didn't have a place to live. So a different family that I knew ended up taking me in for a season, and that living situation was not much better than the first. And I wish I could say that when that family took me in, it healed me, but unfortunately, my experience with them, it actually reopened a lot of my wounds. And it reinforced a lot of the narratives and lies that I had lived by since I was a kid. For example, lies like, I'm not allowed to have needs. I must be self-sufficient and not expect anyone's help for anything. Or, my main purpose is to help make everyone's life around me easier. My value comes not from who I am, but from what I can do for others, even at the expense of myself. 
And over this last year and a half, God has begun to confront many of these lies that I've adopted over the course of my life through relationships in this community. I'm no longer afraid to ask, as afraid to ask for help because when I've gathered the courage to ask in this community, I've always been met with people who have been eager to support me in any way they can. And my identity, more so now than ever, is rooted in who Jesus has made me to be as a person, not in my performance or ability to serve others. And this is due in large to members of this community. For example, four months ago, I actually moved in with the Rogers family, with Andy and Jackie and their three kids, Clive, Calvin, and Olivia. And actually experiencing being part of this family has been so healing and so different than my experience, my first two tastes of family. I guess what they say is true. Third time's a charm. Um, <laughs> now, I want to be clear. <laughs> they're not perfect by any means. <laughs> they do sin. But actually, <laughs> Andy made me say it. <laughs> What's been one of the most healing things has been watching and experiencing them apologize when they do fail and not blaming me when something is their fault, like I've experienced in the past. Here's the thing. I know I'm not the only one who has struggled with believing lies. And I also know I'm not the only one who has experienced redemption through relationship with God's people, even if it hasn't come easy. Many of you in this room today could actually testify to being deeply impacted by the undeserved love and grace from others in this community. Maybe you confessed a secret sin for the first time and you were sure that you'd be ostracized by your gospel community, but instead you were met with grace and understanding, friendships that promise to remain steadfast through your healing process. Or maybe it's a story like Abigail's last week about getting to bravely practice your gift in a safe space with friends, and you begin to believe that your spiritual gifts and your presence add value to this community. Here's what I know is true, both by my life experience and the narrative of the scriptures. Undeserved love changes people. Now, I know that love is a hard word to define in 2021. In San Diego, we use it for a lot, for many things. We love our family, we love the beach, we love tacos. So what do we usually mean when we say we love something? Our culture has its own sloppy definition of what it believes love to be. And often this can be summed up as either attraction or a feeling or most often unconditional affirmation of someone's choices. So love would never disagree with someone or cause them discomfort, ever. One disturbing extreme version of this type of love can be seen in the sad growing trend of Americans who are going to Europe to undergo like physician-assisted suicide in their 30s and 40s because they're depressed. And their friends are actually encouraged to be supportive of, the dis of this decision. They're told that this is the loving stance. Again, this is an extreme example but this is actually the logical progression of a culture that believes it is unloving to disagree with someone's choices or make them uncomfortable. None of those definitions would meet the criteria of gospel love. And since we are followers of Jesus, we ought to define love differently. And to help me with that, let me quote John Piper. He says, love is the overflow of joy in God that meets the needs of others. Again, he says, Love is the overflow of joy in God that meets the needs of others. 
This is the kind of love that Jesus was referring to when he, asked by, when he was asked by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And he replied in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So love, per our working definition, cannot exist in isolation. It is something received and given. It is something gifted and reciprocated. In the words of worship leader John Mayer, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. So if love is a verb, and Jesus commands us above all other commands to first love God and love one another, then our next question should be, what does this kind of love look like? And so today... As we continue our series in Paul's letters to the Romans, specifically our mini-series Relate, we're going to look at how what Jesus did for us in the gospel changes the way we relate to God, to ourselves, one another, and a broken world. So last week, Scott, Scott's Roman taught through verses 3 through 8, where Paul encourages the church in Rome to live for God by using the spiritual gifts that God has graciously given them to encourage and bless one another. Today, I'm talking about love the way we relate to one another in the church. So let's read Romans 12, 9 through 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. What Paul is saying here is that the way we relate to one another in the church is love. Then he describes that love. And I'm going to break up what he describes in my outline today with these two points. The love Jesus calls us to is honest and honoring. Again, the love that Jesus calls us to is honest and honoring. So let's start unpacking what Paul is getting at this passage by looking closer at verse 9. So verse 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. And so my first point today is that the love Jesus calls us to is honest. The NAB version says, let love be sincere or genuine. Sincere, genuine, honest love cannot be manufactured. These characteristics are the opposite of hypocrisy. Where hypocrisy puts on a mask and pretends to be something it's not, genuine love comes from the heart of a transformed person. And in order to become a transformed person with sincere love, the next two commands tell us that we must detest evil and cling to what is good. And to detest evil is not to ignore it, but to actually acknowledge the potential it has to destroy our souls and our walk with Jesus. We cannot be passive towards evil because in passivity, we can slowly adopt lies or habits or standards that at first seem harmless, but over time wreak havoc on our character and our soul. I mentioned earlier that prior to COVID-19, I lived in India and when lockdown happened because of COVID, a few local friends of mine ended up staying with me in my house because the mandates wouldn't even allow them to drive home to their house across town. And so about a month into this, when I got the call offering me the last seat on the last scheduled repatriation flight out of India to the States, the only catch was that I had one hour to catch the flight. It was 9 a.m. on Easter Sunday morning. I hadn't slept the whole night. It's a long story. I had six local Indians living with me. 
So I obviously took the flight. And my local friends remained at my house for a few months. And then eventually they left. And after they left, for the next 12 months, different friends who expressed a need for a place somewhere to stay for different periods of time, they would come and live at my house. And about four months ago, the last person who was living there, he was ended up, he was going to move out because he was getting married. And simultaneously, my friend Rachel ended up needing a place to stay, so she moved into my house. And a couple of weeks into her living there, she calls me and she says, Maria, um, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm so sorry. I should have told you when I visited your house in December. But now so much time has passed, and your house is infested with cockroaches. They're in your cupboards. They're in your drawers. <laughs> they're in your room. <laughs> they're in your closets. <laughs> they're everywhere. And I hate cockroaches. <laughs> And you see, somewhere along the way, cockroaches moved into the house and, we were, and were left undealt with, and they kept multiplying. Now, I know it's restored. One of our values is multiplication, but <laughs> I don't think this is what we were going for. <laughs> and the reason, the reason why they multiplied is the people that were living there didn't clean up after themselves. They ignored the issue, and it got worse over time. Now, infestation of cockroaches is a terrible thing. But here's what I want you to know. There's something that's much worse than a house infested by cockroaches. And that is a heart infested with sin and dysfunction that has been unaddressed for years. So if we love people, we will lovingly but honestly share with them when we think we see sin or dysfunction in their life. Because we don't detest them, we detest what evil could do to them. If you see what you think, again, we need to be humble here, could be a pattern of sin in a close friend of yours, it is so loving to sit down and ask them if what you think you might be seeing in their life is real. And if it is, offering to help them deal with what they are struggling with. It could also look like speaking up when we notice certain patterns in our relationship with someone. For example, you feel like someone makes you think who makes you shrink who you are in their presence. Someone has expectations of you that you never agreed to. Someone always talks at you but never listens. Someone always pulls away and it often leaves you feeling confused about how the relationship actually is. Honest love will name dynamics like these and ask questions to seek a healthier relationship. Honest love says something like, I don't know this for sure, but it feels like when blank happens, our, relation, our relationship starts to do blank. Have you noticed that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you think you know where this is coming from? That is honest love. Honest love doesn't pretend. We don't just want to keep them from evil. We also want to help them cling to what is good. So three years ago, one of my close friends who I had been doing ministry with in India and I decided to climb a mountain in the North Indian Himalayas. And he had gone to mountaineering school for like a month. And I grew up near Mount Rainier in Washington, so we thought we could probably do it. And on the day of the summit, about five hours into the climb, we were probably at over 20,000 feet of elevation. And I made the mistake of looking down. And I saw nothing but a vast, steep descent into a snowy abyss. 
And simultaneously, I realized that the only thing keeping me from descending into this, quickly into this abyss, <laughs> was an ice axe and the four front teeth on the crampon strapped to my boots. And you better believe that I clung to the face of that mountain with every bit of strength in my body. And it is with that measure of intensity that Paul encourages us to cling to what is good. In Philippians 4, 8, he puts it similarly. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. When we find the good thing, the will of God, his way of life, we give our whole selves to it, molding our lives around it, allowing it to shape us, and letting it motivate us towards sincere love. And again, the purpose of this sincere love is, a, is so that we can in turn love God and love people. Now that we understand what kind of love we should have for others, Paul is going to tell us what attitude we should have towards one another as we live this love out. So let's read Romans 12, verse 10. It says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. And so my second point is that the love Jesus calls us to is honoring one of the most beautiful things about being part of the family of God is that the scriptures tell us that we are literally adopted into a new family. We believe as a church that this is so important that we have family as one of our values. We strive to live like a healthy family in the way that we love, serve, and care for one another. We often will chip in for big family moments the way healthy families do when new babies are born, weddings are happening, or a young couple is buying their first home. We believe God is our father through Jesus, and we should love each other like brothers and sisters. You might not have anything in common with some people in this room. Maybe they're not the kind of person you would normally spend your time with. But because now you have the same father, your attitude and desire towards that person is that they would experience the love of God through you for themselves as a brother or sister. It also means that there are certain ways that I can only experience God's love through these other brothers and sisters. And when I'm aware of that, it leads to what Paul calls honoring one another in verse 10. So what does it mean to honor one another? To show honor means to recognize and acknowledge the value that someone has. It means going ahead of each other to appreciate each other. This was one of the markers of the early church that set it apart so distinctly from the culture of its time. Historian Rodney Stark says the church was the only place in the whole Roman Empire where people of different ethnicities and classes got along because they saw each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, united by a common problem, a common savior, a common purpose, and a common future. Now, our culture also believes in honor. It honors celebrities, intelligent people, wealthy people, beautiful people, but very rarely does it honor the foreigner, the marginalized, the refugee, the poor. And as a family of God, this should be one of the key differences between us and the world, that we outdo one another in showing honor to our brothers and sisters and our family and those beyond our community. Honoring someone looks like paying attention and noticing and then declaring what you notice. Honoring others is helping them understand 
their value in your life, or their unique contribution to the kingdom of God. Again, it's helping people understand their value in your life or their unique contribution to the kingdom of God. And I actually want to take a second to do this very thing to some of the people in this room right now. <laughs> I want to start by honoring Allie and Campbell Shengel right over there. When I was a complete stranger, they opened up their home to me and let me live there for an undetermined amount of time. <laughs> Reckless words. <laughs> Which allowed me to stay here in San Diego longer which in turn allowed me to make some amazing friends and learn so much from this church, which ultimately led to me joining this family of churches as a gospel partner. It was through their hospitality that they created a way for me to do, see a dream for a cafe in urban India come to life, a cafe that now has a name and a bank account and a location that I pray will be the starting point for making disciples of urban India in my city. Thank you, Allie and Campbell, for hosting me when I first got here. It has like meant the world to me, and you guys have honestly like changed my life through that. And speaking of Campbell, he has faithfully led the environment team for years now. He shows up faithfully and leads the way as a team changes this space to welcome people like you and I here on Sundays. A space where people have and continue to have hundreds of encounters with God. Campbell, thank you so much. You have no idea like how much the gatherings in this space have impacted people's lives and as this space that has been made possible by you and your team's work behind the scenes. So we love you. Would you all give it up for Campbell? <laughs> I really love you guys. Um, I also wanted to honor Jackie Rogers, who has embraced me as a sister. Since I met her, she has consistently considered me celebrated with me, prayed with me, cried with me, and laughed with me, obviously. Um, and as I've gotten a front row seat to watching her raise her three kids, I've learned so much about unconditional love, patience, kindness, and gentleness. I've learned what it means to be a mom that listens well, advocates for your children, and embraces all of your kids' dance moves, crafts ideas, and jokes. Um, before I knew Jackie or her family very well, one of my first times ever babysitting, I remember her coming home after being gone for like just a few hours, and she bursted through the door. She slid straight onto her knees to hug and kiss her daughter, Olivia. And they both just sat there on the floor, like hugging and laughing. And I just remember, I just remember thinking, I've been to a lot of airports where people are reunited after months of not seeing each other. And I've never seen anyone embrace someone with so much love. But that's Jackie. And she's honestly impacted my life through the way she loves her family and the way that she's loved me. I love you, Jackie. And I wanted you to know how much value you have added to my life. All right. I'm on a roll here. Some might call it an honor roll. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so next on the honor roll... <laughs> is Mia Musgraves, right over there. When gathering was gonna start back up again at Liberty Station post-pandemic, one of the first things I had to do was find a lead tech person. Our last tech person was great, but they ended up moving out of state during the pandemic, and I've never had to find a tech director in the middle of a pandemic before. Um, and after a few weeks, the amazing Mia Musgraves um, joined the team, and she had no previous experience of her own 
and all we had to offer her was a limited church budget and a small, mostly new team, volunteer team. And she has done a lot with a little. She has been the biggest blessing. And I don't know what we would have done or would do without her leadership and faithfulness to, to lead the tech team over these last months. Seriously, thank you so much, Mia. Would you guys give it up for Mia? A woman of women's, you know. Some other people that come to mind are Ruth and Carlo Aranda. Um, Ruth isn't here today, but Carlo is. Some of you don't know this, but Ruth and Carlo have a lot going on. They have two very young, adorable kids, multiple jobs. Carlo's in school. They don't get paid by the church, <laughs> and they still consistently prepare and show up to lead our church in worship of Jesus. And we are so blessed as a community to have Ruth and Carlo as part of our family. Thank you, Carlo. And please share this with Ruth since she's not here. Um, but can you guys give it up for the Rondas real quick? And speaking of the Rondas, I'd like to go ahead and call Carlo up for our second set of worship as I prepare to close. And as we close, I want to acknowledge that there are more people to honor in this room than we realize. There are dozens, maybe even hundreds of honoring statements where people could be made aware of the impact that they've had on your life or that you've seen them make in the broader kingdom of God. And in light of that, Andy is going to set up our response time. Uh, speaking of honor, give it up for Maria. She's good, man. She is good. Um, so one of the things she said, and I shared a lot of helpful stuff around, like the definitions of honor and describing how, how to apply it. And she said, to show honor means to recognize and acknowledge the value that someone has. It's a very theological, precise definition a scholar would give. Um, but then she said, honoring, like a more practical element, honoring someone looks like paying attention and noticing and then declaring what you notice. Honoring uh, others is helping them understand their value in your life or their unique contribution to the kingdom of God. Now, um, what, this is actually one of the gifts that therapists often give clients. Like a good therapist will go, hey, real quick, I just want to acknowledge something you said there. Do you realize how hard and amazing that is, that thing that you're doing that you might not realize? So you get like almost like a positive, uh, it's like positive self-awareness. It's like, hey, do you realize this about you? I don't think you understand how important or special this thing is. And good pastors do the same thing too. I do this at times with you guys also. Good friends do it too. Tom Logan restored Temecula. There's been so many times, like one of his greatest gifts, and I don't even know if it's prophetic or whatever, but he just goes, hold on. Do you realize how important that is, man? Do, uh, girl, do you realize when you do this, the impact it has on people? And people just cry. But it's just noticing, right? Like what she described, it's paying attention and noticing and then declaring what you notice. I think that's beautiful or praiseworthy in the person. Um, I remember I was, uh, I was in London one time and I uh, brought a team. There's a conference there. I preached at the church there in London. And I remember um, there was a lot, I don't, I tip my MO when I go to, to like retreats or conferences, especially that are like bigger than our church, our family churches is like, I don't like to, I'm not, I'm an extrovert, but I don't like, talking to people I don't know for long stretches, mostly because I think I'm awkward. Like you get, there's boundless stories in this community of me freezing up, not knowing what to say. First time I met Tabitha, believe it or not here, I, I said, hey, your name's this. And I knew it wasn't their name. Like as it came out, I'm like, that's not their name. 
And I came back and I paused, like, hey, guys, that, that's someone I went to high school with. I don't even know why I said that, and I'm so sorry. And they came back. It was, it was amazing. But, uh, but also, part of why I don't like to, like, go out is um, I really love the people I brought with me. Uh, again, I see my primary investment. Now, when we go on trips, is the ministry we do, but it's also the ministry that happens in the people that we've gone with. And I just remember this, this worship leader named Louise, so he hasn't met her in London. And she went with us, went to like this cute little gin bar in London, and we had some peeps with us. And she just said, um, most guys, like most men who come on these trips, uh, what they do is they come and then they abandon their teams and they want to hang out with like other influential people in the city and like make connections. And like, it's pretty, like, it's just pretty unique that you want to spend time with the team you came with. Like just, you know, that's like not... I don't see that very often. We have a lot of conferences. And, and I remember I said to her, I was like, oh, that's like cool. It felt like, it felt honoring in the moment. And then I said, well, like I, I learned that from a man named John Dennard. Um, he always prioritized those he led on his team over building his own platform. It's always been his thing. Right, some of the most influential churches in America. He's with a little bit of all that stuff. But ultimately, it's like what he does with the people that he's connected to. It's like, that's the leadership culture I came up in. It's like, you take care of the people on your team. And then, uh, and then, and then we were on a, um, uh, like, again, Luis acknowledged something that, that I had missed. And a few months later, I was able to acknowledge that very thing to John at a, a leader retreat. And of course, he, he cried. You guys already know he cried. And so honoring someone is basically just saying, like, do you know how special you are? Like, man, we are so hard on ourselves. Uh, the GCI lead, um, is, I love it. It's new, but I love it. But, but one of the things we've been talking about is the ways we view ourselves or, like, narratives we've collected. And then I've been actually asking the group to say, hey, what do you see when you see this person? And almost always with anyone with history, they're like, I don't see that wild thing you see at all. Uh, I see some other stuff you might not see maybe that aren't positive, but I see a world of like beauty and honor and things that are great about you that God does through you and only through you. And like, I'd, be, I'd miss you so much if you weren't here. And so that's what we're saying. We're saying, hey, do you know how special you are? Do you know how much you've impacted me? Or do you realize like the impact your actions have in a positive way and on the church or the broader kingdom of God that other people might not see? And so what I want to do is take a moment this morning. We've got time for it. Uh, Maria appreciate a mercilessly short sermon. Uh, I think we're all grateful. Let's have had a reprieve. Adam, Scott, Maria, it's going to be tough to get back up here. You know. Try to get under 38, you know. But I want to take a moment and open it up for a time of honoring. And so before we did that, though, I actually wanted to, to ask the Spirit to lead us. If you guys would, would close your eyes for a second, if you're a member of this church especially. Um, also, if you don't want to do this, it's fine. But, um, but, but if you just want to engage with this time, I want to take a second to ask the Holy Spirit, hey, is there anyone, you know, in this community who's had a significant impact uh, on my life or seriously has blessed me and even just a moment where I needed help might have been small or big that, that they might not even realize impacted me more than it did. And so just take a second and ask the Holy Spirit. It, it could be a GC leader. It could be just a member of your GC. It could be someone who's welcomed you into their life. It could be someone who supported you through something. It could be someone who served you in a real specific, even niche way in an instant that really blessed you. Not just your life, it could also be the broader kingdom of God, like Maria mentioned. It could be someone who serves this church and the greater kingdom in a way, secret way many might not see, kind of that, that as we described Campbell and Mia. 
Um, it could be an elder who isn't me. Uh, you guys are banned from affirming me during this time. Feel free to text, though. You know, I'll take it. But seriously, I get so much encouragement from this church family. You guys have been so amazing to us for so many times, so many years. But, but, but that being said, I want to take it up. Just to, just take two minutes and just go, Lord, is there anyone you want me to honor today? I know it's Thanksgiving. Over half our church isn't here, and that's fine. But even though they're not here, you could honor them publicly. Um, you tell them later, too, but honor them publicly. Honoring is not just for the person. It's, it's, it's helping everyone see and acknowledge the beauty and honor in someone's life and story. So let's just take a minute or two, and then I'd love to open it up for a time of, of public honoring. Now I want to uh, invite you up uh, to honor members of this community that are, are here or aren't here. Let's take a second to say, hey, they might not know this, but man, this is what's been so amazing about them to me, what they've meant to me, or what I think I've seen them, have seen them impact others in this church and in the community. I'm not going to uh, police the mic, so I'm just going to leave it here. Uh, not, don't forget, we're not preaching sermons, okay? These are minute and a half-ish uh, kind of max, okay?
didn't feel great. And so it just, I felt so stupid and I felt really bad, really emotional and stuff like that, which is like, anyway, um, people reached out and I really love you guys for it. But I just want to honor James, even though he's in kids right now, because James has walked with me in this in a way like nobody else. Like he has sat with me and processed emotions and, and, and frustrations and angers and all those kind of things like multiple times. But uh, the, the ultimate, like, the thing that comes to my mind is that when I was dealing with this thing about, like, remembering being called fag and stuff like that, that, like, we met at, like, Lestat's, and, like, he literally, like, held me, like, while I cried. Like, right there on the patio, right there on the street and stuff like that. I was literally, like, my head was, like, right here. And I was just, like, all I could think was that, like, everybody thinks we're big, we're gay. And the fact that he didn't care, like, just spoke volumes and there's tons of people in here that wouldn't care either but it's just that, like it was a really hard time and something I've never experienced and uh, he just was 100% you know like yeah so James rocks even though he's not here so Good morning. I wanted to honor two ladies in our church, and that's Julia and Holly. Um, the way you ladies serve this church and the joy that you come every Sunday and almost always doing something every single Sunday and the earnestness which you invest in people's lives, not just the practical matters, but you see people, you invest in them, you love people well, and you're always smiling and honoring God. That impacts people more than you know. So. Um, I want to honor someone I actually don't even know very well, but Sarah Ballard. I feel like uh, the the when you do your offering talks, like I don't know if you you realize how clearly and articulately. You demonstrate the gospel and you pronounce the gospel. And I really feel like hearing hearing your talk this morning, like as, as beautiful as the sermon was, like if people came in and just received that um, and, and heard how clearly Jesus loves us um, through the way that you, you speak the gospel, the offering talks every week, like that would be enough. Like um, and people would worship Jesus. So I just want to honor you for that. I want to honor uh, Will Mitchell. Um, <laughs> yeah, for real though. Like I, I'm going to be quick, but I could go on for like four hours. Um, I've been privileged to be in DNA with this guy since 
for years now, and I just the way that he is um, to see him like press in at the beginning and like like really trust God with his career and um, like you know the path that he wanted to take and like press into that and to see where he is at now um, and, and just like how faithful he's been uh, and along that way like being able to process with him you know in our dna groups like he i've i've come to learn things and been revealed things through him that i i think would have probably taken like 20 years of therapy to get through so you know just that kind of impact um is very rare um and and that like kind of i want to say like emotionally deep impact is very rare especially among men i think in our culture um so i just really want to just honor him and and like say dude you you inspire me um i love you a lot i have a a lot of options because i get to see everybody (laughs) who especially with kids man i feel like i see it in your eyes any one of you that's ever come and said like i'll do it you know it's like amazing um and uh I think anyone who's ever um, tried to, like, make plans with somebody else in 2021, like a lot of millennials, it's very difficult to get schedules to align. So you can imagine there'd be nothing more difficult than trying to schedule people out week after week after week after week after week. And that's what Alicia Graves does for our kidsmen. And she never complains. Never. Not one time has she ever complained. She always figures it out. And when there's a gap, she's the, always the first one to say, I'll, just, I'll do it. And I'm like, hey, 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 it doesn't have to be you. It could be somebody else. But she exemplifies to me, you exemplify to me what it means to be a servant leader. And you probably never get credit. Probably most people never know. Never, Maybe some meet you, some don't know. But they get the emails from you. And you need to know that, like, Alicia makes the thing run. She makes it run so that all of us as parents can be here experiencing this time meeting together with the Lord while our kids are back there having fun and being taken care of and, and safe. And that's that's because of you. You make that happen week in, week out. Thanks, Alicia. I want to honor my roommate, Hillary. Um, getting to live with you a couple different times, the thing that I always um, love about you is that in all of your friendships and relationships, you have this like beautiful gospel lens. And I feel like that's the biggest impact that you've had on my life is not responding in like a worldly way that the culture would say of like, oh man, that sucks. Like you have seen so much disappointment and you always have hope and um, the grace that you like always give to me and other people, just like watching the way that you respond to like me and how we and our family and other people, you just have this like beautiful, yeah, like lens that I know it's just because you're like abiding in Jesus that he's always on your mind. And so it's always so easy for you to like bring him into conversations and like show people Jesus because he's like truly there. Um, I want to honor Tyler. Um, we don't have a lot of overlap other than Sundays, but like I, your presence here and the way you um, are so hospitable with people that you like look at them and you're present and you hear them. Um, whenever I have an interaction with you, I feel so seen. I also want to honor Tyler. <laughs> um, 
So when I came back to Restored, he was the first person to kind of just acknowledge me in the way of just like me being awkward and shy and all these things. And then a couple weeks later, I lost one of my good friends to suicide and a family member to COVID. And actually, I want to honor Mia's mom as well, um, because Tyler and her just came over to me and prayed over me and just reminded me of um, just the goodness of God and the love that he gives to us um, when we're in suffering and grieving. And you just... Like, Jesus is just, like, his image is right there when I see you. And um, I just want to thank you for your heart and for just being a friend and someone who just sees people. So, yeah. Um, Similar to Maria, I had an infestation in my house. Um, uh, <laughs> they weren't cockroaches, they were mice or rats. Um, but I, um, John, before he, I think, came on staff or officially, um, uh, his other background was in term- <laughs> um, extermination of sorts. And so he... <laughs> He physically, like, crawled under my house in my roof, helped me set up traps in different ways, and, like, walked with me in that. Um, And he said one phrase that's really stuck with me and helped me to receive the love that um, Jesus has for me through others is, you are worth loving, and you are worth loving well. And I just wrote that phrase, like, on my mirrors all over. Um, So thank you. Somebody that stood out um, really uniquely and intentionally in my life this year has been Ko. Um, And I just feel like the ways that you have served me and I see other people, like your hospitality and your generosity and you're just a really um, safe space. I always feel really seen um, when I'm with you and you're a lot of fun, um, but I can also come to you in some like moment that I'm feeling dramatic and you'll just accept what I have to say. Um, So I just feel like you... um, love me and this community in ways that um, I don't see anybody else. Um, It's really unique and beautiful, and I just want to honor you for that.
I was thinking about uh, Frank and like anytime somebody needs help, or maybe it's just me, but <laughs> you, you like, you like always show up and, and help with stuff. And, and then just events, like also just you being there and, and being consistent and um, yeah, the selflessness of serving and 